Hi, I'm Liz. And I'm Marie. And this is Mock It, a podcast from MetroStar, where we take a deep dive into UX design, trending design topics, and making our work transform the government. Let's get started. Yeah, so today we have a super fun topic. We'll be talking about UX design and how it can help tackle climate change. And today we have one of our awesome MetroStar colleagues joining us as a guest. Do you want to take a second and introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Alicia Hardy. I've been at MetroStar uh, since March, so pretty new. Um, before that, I was doing um, actually focusing on farming, <laughs> um, but for my professional UX background, um, I worked um, at a couple education technology companies in New York City and some design agencies as well. Oh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like we can jump right into this because yeah. it's um, I know I've known that you've been at New York City, but how did you go from the city to farming? And then we'll get into the climate change. Sure. Yeah. So I was in New York City, um, you know, being a professional <laughs> um, for, for several years. Um, but I guess I kind of got to a point where I, I needed a break. Um, so I had been interested in farming for a while. Um, and I, I just happened to find this like farm training program in California. Um, so I was like, all right, this is what I need. <laughs> I'm going to do this. Um, so it was like a good because both I could take a break from working and also do something I was interested in. Um, so I did that. It was like a three, three month farm program where you like live on the farm um, and they teach you everything. You have classes every day and you also do farm work every day. So it's like literally the whole thing. Um, and then after that, I just loved farming. So I just kept doing it <laughs> for six years. Um, and I also did, you know, UX work on the side. Um, so that's kind of how I got into farming. Um, and then through that, of course, like w once you get into farming, you kind of just understand like the system that we live in and the climate that we live mm -hmm. in. You know, you have to pay attention to the weather and the <laughs> everything when you're farming. Yeah. Um, so yeah so with farming so do you have animals and like crops livestock and crops or just crops oh, that's a great question so at the farm that i was in california we had um, goats chickens and then regular vegetable production yeah. um but now that i'm i'm back in indiana i only have i'll only have uh vegetables and chickens <laughs> no that's cool though but, yeah 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 you <laughs> the chicken poop to fertilize. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I know a little that's bit part, about the gardening part, yeah. That's oh. part of the holistic uh, design system of a farm, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a lot of parallels between uh, farming and designing. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Oh, man, I was going to do a tangent about little chickens, but I'll, I'll go about keep, I'll keep us on track. Um, so then with that, that's a great uh, lead into how did you realize you were passionate about climate change and that design could help with climate change and farming and sort of how did you connect the dots among all of your passions? Sure. So, I mean, once you're kind of aware of climate change and what the problems are, um, then, you know, you, you know, me, my designer brain starts thinking about solutions. That's what we do. Right. We try to understand the problem and we try to come up with solutions. We try to understand, like, who are the players and what are their roles and what are processes and systems? And, you know, that's what design is. Um, so to me, that's that's the connection is design is a is a mechanism for solving problems. Um, and climate change is a messy problem to solve. So we better use our brains <laughs> to solve the problem. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's the connection. So um, we've 
we've heard this term um, environment first designer. So um, what does it mean to be an environment first designer? And maybe if you could teach us about what that term also means. Um, yeah, I mean, it's also called a climate designer and environment designer. It's just, it's really under, it's basically, it means that when you're doing any design that the environment is part of your consideration. Like you have to understand that we live as humans in an environment and any design that we create has to account for a human living in an environment. Um, so that's like the basics of it. Um, but to do that, you first have to understand what are the problems that we're facing in our environment, you know? So like the problem is that we are emitting too too much greenhouse gas emissions, you know, not the most fun topic, <laughs> but that's what we're doing as a, as a global human species, um, we are emitting too much greenhouse gas emissions. Um, and, you know, it's not fun to think about, but we're doing so much that if, if we don't stop, soon you know it's going to be a problem for us as a species um which is you know not fun to think about <laughs> um so it really just means that um you have to understand that and so then we understand what are the primary sources of those greenhouse gas emissions where is it all coming from so we have to understand it's from electricity so every time you turn on the lights unless you're solar powered then you're probably using fossil fuels um it's from cars Every time you drive somewhere, you're emitting fossil fuels. Um, everything that you buy, and including food, and every product that you buy um, is created, you know, in a factory that uses fossil fuels. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then everything that we throw away um, emits um, some some fossil, uh, some greenhouse gas emissions as well, and is a waste of of energy. Um, so it's kind of like just understanding that that's the, the world we're living in. So in any design that we're working on, you have to consider how is this impacting the environment and creating or not creating greenhouse gas emissions. So is your design going to use a lot of electricity? Is it going to require a massive amount of car use or transportation? Um, how much energy does whatever you're working on take to produce? Um, how much environmental degradation is going to happen because of whatever it is that you're working on. Um, and uh, does it create waste? Um, and how can any of these things be lessened, essentially? Um, does that make sense? Yeah, no, it makes total sense. Uh, one one question I do have with, um, so obviously Metrosar does a lot of government contracting. <laughs> That's our, our bread and butter. <laughs> um, so, um how from your from your expertise um how does this type of design mindset apply to government work um you know how to you know, like what impact yeah. does it have across the different contracts that maybe um people at metrostar might be working on or just in, in general sure um so the first thing is the 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 government's a little been a little slow but they're just catching up to this um they just released their long-term climate strategy report in december just this month no no it was in november it was last month <laughs> um, <laughs> um which when where they finally state that um we have to reach net zero emissions by 2050 the government has said this in writing finally <laughs> yeah. um they have a report it's very long 
Um, and, you know, in the report, they say the world has already warmed, you know, an average of one degree Celsius. And if we don't immediately curtail these emissions, the world is will be condemned to nearly triple that level of warming. That's in the report from the government. So to me, that says that they are finally taking notice and caring about this. So I think that we have an opportunity on every single contract that we are on to have an impact. Um, obviously, there are some places we could have higher impact and more impact, but I, I think that this is cross-cutting um, of, of, on every single project. Um, so just so you can just to go through a few more of the goals, you know, from the government themselves, um, what they've stated, um, they say to meet these global milestones, we must retool the global energy economy, transform agricultural systems, halt and reverse deforestation and decisively address non-carbon dioxide emissions, which they, they mean nothing. Um, they also say that it's going to require an all of society action. Um, they're saying that they recognize that it's going to take a transformation of the entire U.S. economy to, to get to this net zero. Um, they're focusing on things like um, half of all light duty cars will be by 2030 will be electric. That's going to be like a mandate. Um, they're focusing on reducing pollution and especially, the, this was their language, alleviating the pollution burdens disproportionately borne by communities of color, low-income communities, and indigenous communities. They talk about being um, a leader in research and development on clean technology, batteries, you know, stuff like that. Um, they talk about converting all of the United States um, to 100% clean electricity by 2035. Wow. Um, and um, they talk about electrifying all end uses. So um, basically any gas appliance is going to be banned <laughs> um, at some point. Um, they're talking about cutting energy waste. So every amount of anytime you're using energy, it needs you need to use less of it. Um, it needs to be more efficient. Um, and it needs to be done sustainably. So they're talking about buildings, they're talking about manufacturing, they're talking about your home, um, and they're talking also about reducing methane, which comes from both landfills and um, cow farts. <laughs> um, so they're, you know, we're talking about eating less um, cows and um, making less trash because that creates methane. Um, and they're also talking about CO2 removal, which is a scary thing. Um, so all that to say, the government needs a lot of help to do this. Uh, I think there's going to be projects that are going to be focused around data science and helping them like do all this from a you know data standpoint. They're going to need help with progress tracking. So any any organizational change is going to have going to need help. You know, mm -hmm. um, they're they're doing all this change of going from you know. We have all elect, uh, all gas cars now to being 100% electric, so that's a process change. Um, they're going to need a lot of research and development tools. Um, they're going to need a lot of guidance and providing assistance to, to all the agencies. So, like, this is coming from the top. All the agencies now need to implement this. Mm -hmm. um, and they're going to need help with procurement. So, um, they're going to need help with, like, procuring um, more sustainably produce products like across the board, you know, um, and anywhere they're sourcing from should be a, a better, you know, created product. Um, 
So that's kind of some of the big things. Um, another big piece that is, is in all of this that I've actually personally experienced already at MetroStar is this concept of addressing inequity. Um, I'm sure you guys have heard this before, mm -hmm. but the government is, you know, trying to take it more seriously now, I guess. Um, and they're starting to recognize this and they've started using that language of equity and inclusivity on project proposals even. Um, we recently did a, a we responded to an RFP. It was like a, yeah, it was response. It wasn't an RFP um, where they were trying to get some um, information on a, a WIC proposal, which is the women and infant children, um, uh, like the SNAP program, the food stamp mm -hmm. program for them. Um, that program recently got a lot of money because it addresses um, food insecurity in people who are, you know, lower income. Um, and this is a big piece of the puzzle, you know, when when everybody in society um, is taken care of and can manage their own needs, it's less of a problem on, you know, the planet because people who are poor can't buy, you know, quality food. They can't buy mm -hmm. quality products. You know, they um, they need help. Um, so I think the government is, is recognizing that people need help um, and that the WIC program is part of that. Oh, man, I'm, I'm like a little taken aback. I mean, I so I read the um, I knew about the highlights of um, this report that came out, but I did not do a deep dive by any stretch. Now I'm like, yeah. oh, my gosh, like, this is, <laughs> they really covered a lot in that report. And like, no, they sure did. No, <laughs> no, no small feet getting. No, definitely not. <laughs> no, it's not. It's and I mean, it's it's like they said, it's all of society. So that's kind of why I'm like, we have an opportunity to address this in everything we do. <laughs> so then with, with that, with um, like a focus on sort of shifting it a little bit back to bringing it back to design. So yeah. when we are working on projects and doing design approach, what what shifts need to happen to have more of like a like an earth friendly designs or um, what does that process look like to you and, and what tips might you have for those who might be on some of these new projects to, to meet these initiatives? Sure. I mean, I mean, the, the mindset shift is first that, you know, we have to understand and accept the reality that we're living in. You know, we're living on a planet with finite resources and we can't use those resources indefinitely and we have to stop um, emitting greenhouse gases. <laughs> so, so we have to recognize that. Um, and then we also have to have a goal of um, bringing in the well-being of all people and the environment into everything that we do. Like that's kind of like our overarching goal is well-being of all people and reducing greenhouse gas emissions. That's the mindset shift. Um, as far as um, what we can do, um, we have some um, frameworks that we talked about actually in the, the climate designers course that I took. Um, so we have the climate justice framework, which is really just a, a way of walking through a design to understand if it's addressing things from the perspective of social, racial, environmental, and economic justice. Um, so it's like, it's kind of an in-depth like process you can go through, mm -hmm. um, but you know, that's a process. Um, we also have a behavior change frameworks. 
Um, so if you're working on a project where you understand that the, the context of the project is that, you know, there's this behavior change that we're trying to address, which a lot of a lot of what this is, is behavior change. Um, we have several um, frameworks for doing that. They're called um, emotional appeals, social influence, choice architecture. Those are the top three. There's a couple other ones. Um, but there, I, I could send out the link for more details on all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and there, there's also um, something called behavior mapping, um, which is understanding what causes behaviors and how to influence behaviors. So um, the, the basics of it is you have to understand the motivation, um, the ability and the prompt of, of a behavior that you want. Um, so does someone have the right motivation? Do they have the ability to do it? And are they getting prompted in some way to, to do this behavior? Um, so those are kind of some of the, the design framework things we can use. Um, we also have something called um, Three Horizons Thinking. Um, this is kind of like a systems thinking um, framework, but it's basically like if you know what the future should be, like the third horizon, we call it the third horizon, um, and we're living in the first horizon. Um, the second horizon is the little things you can do to get to the third horizon. So if we know we want 100% clean car, uh, electric cars by whatever, 2030, what are the little things we have to do to get there? Um, it's another kind of systems framework that you can think through. Um, those are the big ones that, uh, that I have, <laughs> but there's lots more. <laughs> no, that's so cool. Yeah. So, um, you like sort of touched upon this, um, right when you were getting into, um, the frameworks. So could you tell us a little bit about the course that you were sure. taking? Yeah. So I took a course through Tara.com. Do um, on called climate designers and it was it's run by these um, people who've been teaching classes on climate design for a while um, and also have industry experience um, and it was I want to say 10, 10 to 15 people in the course it was like a six-week course um, but you also get connected to a network of other designers climate designers they have like a network of 800 people at this point um so through the course you get connected to that network um and they just did lessons every week and like mini homework assignments and then we had like a project at the end um but it was really great the teachers were like very kind great people and um, very knowledgeable and they also um, they gave us a lot of, you know, knowledge and and um, and frameworks to work with, but also they kind of helped us. They helped empower us to feel like we could be leaders, um, to be design leaders um, on on this issue because that's they kind of recognize that's what's needed um, in the world. We need people like me, people like you, like everywhere in the world. We need people who are like fighting the fight. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of fighting the good fight. Um... What about some obstacles that you faced and like have have clients kind of I don't want to say bought in because that's not the the sentiment yeah. I want to make. But do clients see the importance of making these these small these small changes, these incremental changes to then hit these sort of larger initiatives that have been set forth? And then mm -hmm. um, is there do you have like a. Do you have like a tagline or a pitch or your your, uh, your elevator speech that you might use to get clients on board? Mm, that's a good one. Um, so 
because the because the government you know has that long-term strategy i think that's a big win in our favor like any in any project that comes up where you have you know if just say like oh we should do this because you know it's the climate um yeah. you know you can point to the report <laughs> from the government <laughs> hey they said we got to get to zero emissions you know so i think that's a huge help um but that being said there will be people who probably don't agree with it and who think that it's a hoax and you know all those things there's going to be people who who fight it i'm sure um and so i think what we talked about in our class um was that what we need to do is center ourselves on um, values, on our values, things like compassion and well-being, because nobody can argue with that. So you can't you can't say like, well, we should have a more compassionate society and we should do these things to be more compassionate and take care of everybody. Like nobody can argue. <laughs> um, so if you if you if, we, if we're always fighting for the well-being of others and the planet, um, then we'll win. We'll be fine. Nice. And then it's so heartwarming. I know. So just being in the holidays, it's like, don't be Scrooge with it. You know. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the greatest things about my our my uh, teachers. Actually, they they kind of imparted that message. Is you know, it's easy to get like depressed and sad and angry mm -hmm. about climate change and all the problems in the world, but um, it, that's that doesn't do anything if yeah. you're just angry and depressed um we have to think about a better future and we all have to work together to create that better future together uh, so i i don't mean to put you on the spot with this question because i know you recently just finished the course up but have you implemented any of the things that you've learned in the course uh in your current work um i think just um being aware of uh that language around inclusivity and equity definitely came up with that wic project that i was mentioning um uh or it was really just a response to a proposal but if we got that project um it would be you know that would be a big piece of it is layering in um equity into that N nothing specific yet but that's it just came up you know yeah. recently yeah yeah and you just finished your course so that that wasn't like a like a gotcha question. Just, <laughs> For sure. Just so um, excited. <laughs> yeah, I know. This is like this is super cool. Yeah. Um, so as we kind of uh, start to wrap up our discussion with you, uh, what are some small things that designers can do right now? Maybe like if they don't have access to take the classes that you suggested um, that could help them create more eco-friendly designs? Sure. I mean, the first thing I think is to be pretty well educated on the depth of the issues and what really needs to change, um, because that's we all kind of have to agree and be on the same page about what the changes are um, that are necessary. Um, and then be the change that you want to see in the world. You know, it's so cheesy, but it's true. Yeah, um, I love you know, that. Lead it's, by example. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that like Gandhi, right? Says yeah. that? Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. Lead, lead by example. Yeah. Yes. Um, and another thing is, you know, talk to your family and friends about this kind of stuff, because um, one thing we talked about in our course, actually, is that we're most influenced by um, the people that we're closest to. So true change comes from being influenced by the people that are in your closest circle. Um, find your role, like what part of this climate change, you know, ecosystem, whatever you care job. about, like I care about mm -hmm. farming, but maybe you care about transportation or maybe you care about energy, like whatever, it doesn't matter. Just pick the thing that you have, feel more of a passion about. 
because um, as you can see, it requires changes in everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, another thing you can do is join an organization that's addressing this issue. Um, one of the biggest things we talked about in, in that course was that um, together we can be a lot stronger than alone. Like you shouldn't be trying to do anything alone at this point. Um, just join an organization that's doing things already. Um, and then and the last couple things, I, I don't have tons of examples, but they're all like designy things. Um, there, there's things called like brandalism um, and culture jamming um, and fovertizing. I don't know if you guys have heard of any of these terms. No, can but, you dive into uh, them? Oh yeah, yeah. Marie yeah. yeah. <laughs> just started like really excited. What is this? <laughs> I can I can also send you examples from my course because we talked about this in the course. Perfect. Um, but so like brandalism is like people on Twitter who like post things to like. I don't know, like BP's Twitter page that say like how they screwed something up, you know, yeah. and they're just like hurting the, their image because they're posting it on Twitter. You know, they, there's lots of stuff like that. Um, culture jamming is similar things. Uh, and another thing we talked about was civil disobedience, uh, which actually came up very funnily enough. I'm on the sustainability commission for my local city um and we were talking about making a change and and they were saying like oh well, we can't make this change because the state made some law that we can't do this oh it was for banning single-use plastic mm. the state said we're not allowed to do that so my little city can't do that and people on our commissioner were like well let's just be civil disobedience and let's just do it anyway right <laughs> <laughs> um so you know there's things like that you can just go against the um go against the norms those are nice. Those are all really exciting. Yeah. <laughs> Come to your city. Yeah. Um, but that, that's actually a good point. Um, like a follow up question is if someone wanted to join like the sustainability committee for their county, their mm. their city or something like that. How how did you get involved with that? Like, do you, you know, do you like just reach out to your rep or, you know, um, I just went, I think, to the city's like website, your city, wherever you live should have a website unless you're in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> but it probably has a website and they probably have a sustainability commission if you're on the East Coast. If you're in some rural place in like Georgia, maybe not, but you know, if you're in the East Coast, you probably should have one. Um, and then, yeah, they, sometimes they have openings. Basically, they have like a commission that has openings. So then I applied to the opening and I, and because my background is, both farming, but also I'm from this area. Um, they wanted me on the commission. So I had some connection to the area and, and some background in this space. Cool. Yeah, that that's really cool. That's definitely, yeah. um, if people want to get involved locally, that's that's a really great tip of how it's to do it. It's a very good way to do it, yeah. I mean, and even if it's not the city, um, you know, if there's not a commission, you know, every every city probably has initiatives related to something you're interested in um there's community gardens all over the town that i live in there's um uh you know there's programs for homeless you know anything you're interested in there's something there yeah when we lived in ann arbor ann arbor is very much like that because you know the, the yeah it's you know college towns and stuff like yeah. that so they and yeah just like you're saying anything you want to get involved with but you know, also, we live in a major metropolitan city with D.C., yeah, yeah. so that's also um, we have that benefit, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is like this is very interesting. Yeah. This is like super cool. I feel like we learned 
like like a lot of new terms. And um, we will, if you want to um, send us those links, we will post those links in our um, podcast description so people can like feel free to read our um, the description online, and we'll we'll post the links that you suggest, and then people can read a little bit more and and reach out with uh, you know questions. Cool, sounds good. Cool. So uh, first off, we want to just thank you so much for your time. Like I said, this is, this is yeah, I'm like overwhelmed <laughs> yeah. by like all of this information with like, like oh, we got to get on this. <laughs> like, um, it's so, okay. Don't be overwhelmed. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I really liked your point where you're like, find that like niche yeah. in this whole big ecosystem of it. Find the niche that you're interested in. Made it a lot more tangible than... When you listed off everything, I was like, oh, my gosh, (laughs) by like 2050, like, whoa, this is a lot. But find what you're interested in to make the impact with an organization. Yeah. So, again, thank you. And then uh, this is uh, this is Mock It. Don't forget to like, subscribe and share with your friends and join us next time. As always, if you're interested in learning more about how government and tech collide, visit MetroCenter.com and follow us on our socials. 